Blog Talk Radio.
Yes, the songwriter says that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We just heard Songs 23 by Jeff Majors. God bless you. You're listening to the Fivefold Ministry Broadcast, and I am your host, Apostle Margie Mercer. If you would like to get in touch with the Fivefold Ministry, our phone number is 410-661-4103. Our P.O. Box is 9786 Baltimore, Maryland, 21284. Again, that's Fivefold Ministries, P.O. Box 9786, Baltimore, Maryland, 21284. And let us go back at this time and let us just listen to a more, more of Psalms 23 by Jeff Majors. Amen. <laughs> time like this, we want to dwell in the house of the Lord, especially looking at the news and what's going over on in the Middle East, that truly it has some concern for us as Christians. You know, one thing about God, that his word never dies, that his word is always caring, and that you can look at the Old Testament and the New. I was discussing um, the situation with Israel and Gaza and Hamas um, in the Middle East, and that we attributed to looking at Genesis and Abraham. You know, we can get right into our stories that we see that the Palestinians and the Israelites are at war over territory and land. And when you look at the significance of it, that you could see that the Lord had promised Abraham and Sarah that they would have a child. However, because of disobedience, 
unless Sarah decided in trying to be a tiny god herself that she would give her husband her slave so that he could have a child with her. It's very sad that Hagar um, was forced to sleep with Abraham, and in doing so, a child was born, a first male child of Abraham. And through that birth, that all turmoils, that everything just went down from there because it was a custom that the firstborn would occupy the land, that the firstborn would get the promises of the father or get the inheritance that the father left for the firstborn. And because that Hagar was Egyptian, that Hagar was of a, a another denomination, especially as we see today of the Muslims tribe, that they are from um, the descendant of Hagar and Ishmael, that when you look at this, that the Israelites was told by God that they will have the promised land, that they would be the one that God will give the land of milk and honey to. But because of disobedience, because Abraham listened to his wife, because lust was in his eyes, that he disrupted history in the making that we are suffering uh, behind it today over 2,000 years later. I would encourage everybody to look at the history and the significance of the war, where it all started, what what caused all the problems that we have today. Why is the Middle East fighting among themselves? Why is Israel having problems with Pakistan or Gaza or even those countries over there? What is the problem? The problem is that it was adultery, it was fornication, uh, people took upon themselves to go after the fleshly needs and did not obey the commandments of God. Do you know the old people would say that a hard head make a soft tail, that when you disobey God and you don't listen to what God has said in his word, what he has promised, that then you take upon those things yourself, the consequences of your own actions. And when you look at uh, Genesis 20, uh, even in uh, verses uh, in chapter 21, you see Hagar and Ishmael, the son that she had by Abraham, that they were sent away. And we have had conflicts ever since that in the Middle East that they have been fighting and demanding land rights or inheritance rights. It's very sad when human uh, rights are violated, not only by Hagar, the slave who was forced to sleep with Abraham, but then the people themselves who are suffering today because of bad decisions of our ancestors. Yes, I jump right into the story because it's very important, because this is very serious. You know, I was looking at the news uh, yesterday, and I saw that even uh, with the nation of Israel who have declared war on that Palestinian state with Hamas and um, Gaza, that also when you look at that, you look at the other countries who's coming in. You have United States who's back in Israel because $50 uh, billion 
of our economics, of our oil and things that we are getting are coming from Israel because we have used up the reserve that we have. And then you look over on the Pakistani side that there are others who may step in to help them, other Arab nations who are just as wealthy and they are supplying ammunition. You know, it's very sad that as people of God that our focus is not on the things that should be important. We are worrying about, um, as I told the producer, rather than look at the news to see that war is breaking out and that we are involved, not only uh, were we uh, supplying to help Ukraine in Kiev, there's Russia, and China is, of course, um, working with Russia and Putin. But now United States is back in Israel, which is also could be another uh, problem because we're going to have the Palestinians, the Arabs, and other nations that could get involved. We are so close into another serious worldwide world war that we need to pray. We do not have time to worry about trivial things. I was talking to a, a apostle friend of mine, and she was telling me about this pastor, how he's really good in the Word and he's strong in the Word, but he condemned every other pastor. Uh, he he talks about the ministry that he has. He talks about uh, the things that he's doing. His focus is on the man rather than the Word of God, the souls that are getting saved, and the ministry that God has for his life. When have we become the judge that we can decide that this is of God and this isn't of God? You look at the Middle East. You look at Ishmael, who was the first son, and they feel as though he was denied his birthright. Then you look at Isaac, who is the son of Sarah and Abraham, and they say, well, this is the legitimate son, so this is their birthright. We as a human being and we as people of God, we don't have time to bash each other. We don't have time to worry about somebody else's ministry on radio or TV to uh, critique or judge what they're saying or doing. We need to keep our eyes on the prize, which is to dwell with God, which is to keep his commandments. It's very, very sad that when you look at the news and see the suffering of people, what's going on in this world, and people always say, what are the signs of the tribulation? Well, look it up. Look at Revelation. Look at the signs that they was talking about having war in the holy country, that this would be the start of it. You can even look at uh, TikTok. You can look at face, uh, Facebook. You know, I was even looking at a clip uh, looking at um, even uh, the Honorable uh, Farrakhan, Louis Farrakhan, that he was even talking about this is a sign of the end of times that we're in a serious state here of war because it can trigger United States is so involved with those countries who's in war that it could be uh, a domino effect that others will get in and we can be in another world war. So I would encourage all of you, as you uh, go about your uh, daily walk in life, to keep our country in prayer, our leaders in prayer, to uh, pray much for um, the peace that will abide in all the nations of this world. 
and also as well is to follow the commandments of God. You don't need to tear down your brother. You don't need to critique this ministry or somebody else's ministry. You don't need to judge what you see people preaching and teaching on the radio. It says try the spirit with the spirit. If you're not there to try that spirit, who are you to sit back and condemn what you think you see on TV? We have more serious problems that could affect our economy, that could affect our food, our our resources, our shelter, even our safety. We already had attack from the Arab nation that uh, hit the World Trade Center in uh, 9-11. So this country is really involved here in the United States in a lot of things that we need to pray for worldwide peace to China, to Africa, to Russia, uh, to the Arab nations, to all the nations of the world that we need to pray and ask that God's favor and his mercy and grace will overshadow us so that we can live in peace or have some type of treaty where we can get along. But we know in the book of Revelation it says in the end times that mothers will be against daughters and father against sons and nations against nations. We already see wars and rumors of wars. This is very serious that when you wake up in the land of the living, that you should be concerned with your soul's salvation, how you treat your neighbors. Are you following the word of God? Are you living according to the gospel? You do not have time to undermine, to do evil for evil, and to condemn. Well, that's the latest that's in the news. I wanted to bring it to uh, your attention that we are in a serious crisis that we need to get on board and do what is necessary, what is right by God, so we can have the mercy and the favor of God. Because when the gashing of teeth and when we are weeping, when things happen that we cannot blame the Lord for our human actions. You know, I always say every week, I say this is our disclaimer. The music that you hear belongs to the artists. They own all rights. We need to acknowledge people and acknowledge their rights that they have to things that belong to them and to give them the credit for that. You know, and this is what happened uh, when you look at that story of Genesis 20 and 21 uh, with Hagar and Ishmael and Sarah and Abraham, that the rights were violated and that here 2,000 years later that we are in a world crisis, and there is war that's spreading, and hopefully it won't be a domino effect. So I will encourage all of you this morning as you listen to the Fivefold Ministry, remember now, we're on the air Monday through Fridays. We preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of his coming. We believe that. We're also... um, Not only are we on from 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock p.m. USA Standard Time, but then we are here on Sunday morning from 8.30 to 10. And you know it's been a long time since you have actually uh, heard me on the radio because I've been, which I'm planning to do today, I give that seat to other leaders, you know, who have the right to break bread as well as we spread the gospel. 
Uh, we have Reverend Leroy Rice and his wife on Wednesdays. We have Pastor John Jones who come on Tuesday once a month. We have Apostle Alexander Lockamy on Thursday, as well as other leaders, Minister Michael Gray and Reverend uh, Lucas. So we want to encourage you to listen to us Monday through Fridays from 7 o'clock to 8 right here on this radio station is you could call in 319-527-6036. Again, that's 319-527-6036. And I would like, you know, to also mention this. Somebody say, well, that's not a regular call station radio. Well, when you're dealing with Internet, worldwide evangelism, the call numbers that you have that you uh, will call in, there are uh, even online ministry and radio and TV ministry that their call numbers are different. It's not going to be on a local station itself unless you have uh, a fire stick. So we want to encourage you to listen, not judge, not condemn, and to know, yes, we are reaching millions of people. Our call numbers on another station was 4 million and even on this station through the week, we over 127,000 listeners. So we want to encourage you always to look for the good, not for the bad, to pray for peace in the midst of the storm and ask for God intervention, and to know that so much is being fulfilled as we look at uh, the story about the tribulation and the Armageddon and things that's coming to pass, that we need to really be serious to pray and to walk in love. And as different speakers come on to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, we want to encourage them to continue to be the leaders that they are because we do not know the day or the hour, especially during the signs of the time of our Lord coming back that when that day will be, yes, he will, he is going to crack open the sky because the prophecies are being fulfilled of old as well as in the new and in the testaments of God. So let us pray that peace be still. Amen. Amen.
may not have the means to go to a particular university of our Ivy League school, but God has found fit that there are those schools planted around this nation that we're able to send young uh, uh, black kids to college at affordable price, and kids have been matriculating there and graduating, including myself. And we had those uh, during a time of a homecoming. Young fellas, 17 and 18 years old, decided to go into this college and disrupt the whole scheme of things by shooting into the dorms. It's very sad. It was those two that now has put the college on the map uh, to look like a violent university. It's turned down the image of a historical black college who did great things with graduates as well as been able to see all around the world they have made a difference. But it just takes a couple to disrupt the plan of God, just like Abraham and Sarah. They took it upon themselves not to follow the word of God and to uh, have children outside uh, their marriage, and that now there's disruption over 2,000 years later that's turned down not only the territorial uh, promises that God was given Abraham and the children of Israel, but now with Haggad and Ishmael over in Egypt and Pakistan and places there that is a territorial fight and other nations around this world are getting involved, God forbid. It's very, very sad when you allow the Antichrist or you allow the beast to disrupt the very essence and plan of God. Yes, he would tear down the ministry of God. Yes, he would tear down the leaders. This is why when you have leaders who cannot just six months to mind their own business and six months to leave others alone, rather than focus on their ministry, they want to talk about what you're doing for God, if it's right or wrong, is it in the word of God. They want to bash you, judge you, critique you, and tear you down and not focus on what's important, that you have souls that you're responsible for as a leader, as a pastor, as a politician, as a president of a country itself, that you are the main person in focus, that you're the focal point for those people to survive, but your focus is on everything else. You know, rather than say I'm a living peace, yes, God has made uh, a nation uh, out for Egypt, made a nation for Pakistan, made a, a nation for uh, those uh, those different denominations of religion, and that the brothers also should be able to live in peace in Israel, that this is the promise that God has given them before that disobedience and sin took place, that it should be that this is uh, my my spot and this is yours. I have seen people, it's very sad, and I have to go with this this morning, but it's laid on my heart, and I'm going to say it. It's very sad that you can live in your house and you could have a neighbor to say, this is my property here. It's two inches uh, over on your side. Or you uh, inch or two park in my parking spot. Or you're walking here in front of my yard. When you get so trivial that you don't see the beauty, that you have a home, that you have a land, that you're able to raise your family, that you have a means of a roof over your head, that you're going to worry about dirt that could be blown up in a second with a bomb or that you're going to uh, worry about things that's territorial that could get caught up in fire 
or it's very sad when the Antichrist send those in to do evil, to disrupt everything that you have worked for, everything that you have tried to build. Beloved, I will say to you this morning, it says remember the Sabbath. The Sabbath is each and every day that we should worship God, praise God, uh, live according to the word so you can have the power through the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, and keep your eyes on the word of God so that the favor can fall upon you and you could be mighty in the land, mighty in your own uh, a job, in your home. Sure, you're going to go through challenges and tribulations, but right always, always overshadow evil and darkness. When you do what is right, God will bless you even more, and he will expand and enlarge your territory. But when you get to the point that you are judgmental, you're pointing fingers, you're blaming, you're condemning, all of us make mistakes. All of us have come short to the glory of God. Only Jesus is perfect. So don't condemn yourself or your brother. But when you get to the point that your focus is on things that's not important, God said, have no care for tomorrow, because tomorrow will take care of itself. you got to worry about today, that you are here today. You don't know the day of an hour when war could break out. You do not know when things could happen that could cause you to even have a setback. You do not know when everything that you work for, not only from your health uh, down to your home, could be destroyed. So you got to just... Rely and trust on God and his word and to be a beacon of light, things in prayer. Fast and turn their plate over because you can hear the war and rumors of wars. How long could it be before it could be another 9-11? How long could it be before a bomb could hit in your city? How long could it be before things could happen to your comfort zone, wherever you are around the world? It doesn't mean that is everlasting. The greatest places that you would never believe catastrophe had taken place, the beautiful islands, the different world cities, places where you could vacation, places where you can enjoy uh, God's earth, that there has been volcanic uh, eruptions, that there have been uh, people that have shooting in crowds around Paris and and things are happening, even, like you said, around Ukraine and Kiev, that people who were minding their own business, but the beast is busy. So I would encourage everybody to pray and to fast and to know that your God is able, but keep your focal point on the word of God and your salvation, and do not do evil for evil or do things that's going to put you into a lake of fire, but to have everlasting life. God bless you again. Let us listen to Aretha Franklin that says, Oh, Mary, don't you weep, because God got it. Amen. All right.
Songwriter says, don't you weep when you put your faith and you put your confidence in God that you don't have time to weep because you know that your God can do anything but fail. I want to encourage all the firefold ministry uh, leaders as well that this is a time that we need to pray, that we need to turn over our plate, and we need to fast and stand on the word of God. Intercession is needed all over the world at this time. As I say, that the adversary is busy. He can trick even our country into a world war. He can trick all these leaders to fight amongst themselves. He wants to destroy us anyhow so that what God has made that he wants to disrupt, including us, his human beings. But we thank God for the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ that through it all, that we can have the victory even with eternal life and that God said and he meant what he said and promised what he said. He's going to do what he said and crack open the sky and come back. Don't you want God to find you ready? You don't have time to worry about land that can be blown up. You don't have time to worry about uh, neighbors who want to do evil for evil. You don't have time to mind somebody else's business when you should be minding your own because there's much prayer. We've seen sickness of COVID went all over this world. It did not only affect one country but every country that we had to wear the mask. We was on shutdown for two years, and here we are released now, and we went back to the same old habits, 
the same things that would keep us away from the promises of God. We went back to the same old ill that has separated us. God gave us two years to think about it, that we are so close to destroying ourselves and each other, that we are so close even through breathing this air, which is precious more than diamonds, more than pearls, that we have to cover our mouths so that we couldn't even breathe God's fresh air. God forbid. I want to encourage you again that as you start your way, you know, even if you go to your house of worship, you don't have time to judge the others in the church or condemn the pastor, what he said and not saying, or how he's speaking to you or not. But listen to the words that will come out, the man or woman of mouth that God has given him to say to the nation of people that we need to be mindful of what's going on in this world and to pray more and to seek God's mercy and grace. Amen. Amen. I'm going to uh, turn it over now to one of our speakers, Apostle Alexander Lockamy, uh, who's able to rightly divide the word of truth. Again, this is Apostle Lockamy. He comes on Thursdays from 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock uh, p.m. And I would encourage you to tell everybody, you know, that 319 527 319 Five two seven six zero three six. God bless you again as you listen to the Fivefold Ministry broadcast, and let us listen to Apostle Lockme at this time. Amen. It's a secret place. It's 
garden place, wherever that is in your house, your backyard, in your car, on your job, in your prayer closet. That is a garden. Every now and then it's good to come to the garden alone with nobody, not your husband, not your wife, not your children, not your boyfriend, not your girlfriend, or not your problem. Don't even bring your problem to your God. Just come to meet him there. Come to worship him there. Oh, come to lift him up there. Come to embark him there. Shata, e ka ba boo boo shay. Come and meet him there. I come to the garden alone. Wow, wow to do. Early in the morning, before the sun comes, before the roots are grown. Wow to do. Wow to before daybreak. Before, before the children get up. Before the husband get up. Before the wife get up. Before the neighbor get up. Wow to do. Still on, on the roses. And the voice, the voice I heard, I feel the anointing. Falling on. On my ears, none other uh, have ever been known. This is Apostle Alexander Locke of the Burning Bush Church, 422 North 13th Street in Urban, North Carolina. I come to be led by the Spirit to say what thus says the Lord, whether I sing or whether I praise or whether I preach. To God be the glory. Somebody need to know this afternoon as I come. God is calling somebody to the garden. You're so busy and you're occupied in your daily children, working on your job. Maybe you got two jobs. You may have three jobs. And maybe they that is something they have occupied your time. Something you're worrying about, something you're troubled about and enduring. So you stop spending time with God. You stop spending time in the prayer room, in the prayer closet. You're so occupied, you don't know when you really had a good relationship, a good conversation, a good talk with God. You're trying to fix it yourself. You're trying to work it out yourself. You're trying to add it out yourself. When God is the only one that can do it, because God can't do it, nobody else can do it. But now you should know it's going to take God to do it. The more time you spend with God, listen to me. The more time you spend with God, the smaller your problem will get. The more time you spend with God, the smaller your sickness will get. The more time you spend with God, the smaller your trouble will get. The more time you spend with God, the smaller your worries will get. The reason your circumstances, the reason your situation, the reason they're so big, because you spend so much less time with God. When you spend more of your time with God, I tell you what, he'll put a smile on your face and joy in your heart. Have you not read the scripture? For the scripture says, in the presence of the Lord, is fullness of joy and pleasure forevermore. God don't want you worried all the time. He don't want you miserable all the time. He don't want you sick all the time. He don't want you troubled all the time. He wants you to have joy. So he wants to fill your heart with joy. Ecclesiastes says he wants joy in your heart. You know, my wife was reading the other day, and we read in the where it said, God wants you to enjoy the labor of your hand, eat, drink. And be merry and serve the Lord and enjoy the labor of your hands, and you might fill your heart with joy. God wants you to be happy. That's why you say the Holy Ghost came. It came to bring joy, not just natural joy, not earthly joy, or not fleshly joy and carnal joy, but the Holy Ghost came to bring supernatural joy. Joy you ain't never seen before. Joy that marijuana can't give you. Joy that your girls can't give you. Joy that your husband and wife can't give you. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. God wants somebody happy to see you. 
See, you can serve God better if you're happy. You can deal, you can deal with your trials better if you're happy. But the problem is we keep on walking around so sad, so disappointed, so heavy-hearted, on our prayer and feeling our joy because we won't get in the presence of the Lord. Just get in God's presence. Isn't that right? Worried about trying to pay your bills. Hey, don't want your credit to be bad. Listen. You pay them tithes, don't worry about them bills. If you pay your tithe, God will pay your bills. Now, here you don't take your tithe, but I don't know why I'm getting on this. Don't take your tithe money, trying to pay the bill, trying to get out of debt, then you're going to pay your tithe later on, and now your debt done got worse. No, baby, what you need to do is pay your tithe, don't worry about your bill. God, I guarantee you, if you pay your tithe, God going to pay your bill. Quit worrying about nothing. Quit worrying about so many things and come to the God. Fill away with God. Give God more of your time. And I guarantee you, oh, you will see a difference. You will see such a difference. And the joy we share while we tarry there, none other. Can't you see with the Spirit? Come on, close your eyes and get in the spiritual realm and see me sitting there in the garden with the Lord. See God sitting there on one side, I'm sitting on the other, and we're talking to one another. And I'm sharing my problem with him. And I know he's able to answer. He's able to solve my problem. He'll do the same with you. See yourself sitting in the garden. I feel the anointing on that. See yourself sitting in the garden with the Lord. Come on, feel away. You know, that's what Jesus did. He stealed away to the garden of assembly. He took his disciples there. That was a place of refuge. That was a place of comfort. That was a place that nobody else knew. Now, you don't need to be telling people where your garden is. Because Jesus did not tell them. He did not tell them nobody where his garden was. He only took the disciples there. And he would steal away and he would pray for comfort, pray for strength, pray for protection. Pray that God would give him wisdom and knowledge and guidance. How to lead the people, heal the people, to set the people free. And that's what you do when you go to your garden. You go there and pray about things that you want God to do and know that God would do it. And Jesus would always steal away to the garden, and he would go there and pray. So you need to find your garden. And when you find that garden, you need to pray there in that garden. So in that garden, you're going to find joy and speak of it. The Lord is going to meet you there. He's going to heal your body. He's going to regulate your mind. He's going to restore your marriage. While you're fighting your husband, you need to go to the garden. Come on, women. You're so easy to want to take matters in your own hand. You're so easy to get an attitude. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, it's so easy for a woman to be hooked to add to it as it is a man. Now, a man get mad, and he'll just go ahead and fix it and get it over with. But a woman get an Addie. And Addie might last tomorrow, next week, next Christmas. Addie might not be over to Thanksgiving or Christmas or, or the January or next year. So when you get an Addie or attitude, attitude get worse. It don't get no better. As long as you got an attitude about a thing, it's going to get worse and worse. If it's your husband done wrong, if your wife done wrong, your children done wrong, or your neighbor supervisor get wrong, as long as you walk with Addie and an attitude, it ain't going to get no better. They're going to fuss and you're going to fuss. You're going to try to handle it yourself when you're dealing with Addie because that's what Addie tell you to do. Addie tell you to close off your heart of compassion. You get mad. You get angry. You get mean. You get uh, you, you, you're unreachable. Can't nobody tell you nothing because you caught up in Addie. But I come out and tell you later, let Addie go. Quit being mad at that man. He, you can't say not no man. You should have knew that before you married him in the first place. You can't say not no man. Getting mad at him ain't going to fix it. Get angry with him ain't going to fix it. You're trying to fix it. You can't fix it. He ain't going to get no better as long as you fuss at him, as long as you threaten him, as long as you're talking about you're going to leave. He's not going to change him. God got to change him. God made man. God having a problem with him. How the world you think you're going to control it when God can't even control it? 
He wanted to do what the Lord said. And then you think you're going to make him do what you want to do? And what you need to do is to give him to the Lord. Commit him to God, baby. Get him to God. Tell God about it. Tell God to fix your man. Tell God to fix your wife. Quit fussing. Quit losing your joy. You don't want the last time. I'm talking to some woman right now. You don't know the last time you've been happy. Baby, that's not God's will for you to serve around in a house sad all day long. Uh, listen, I want to to go this way this evening. I may get to my lesson, but I got to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. I'm trying to help somebody see, but that's what I'm here for. The Bible says God is seated on high, and they give up to men for the edifying of the Spirit, for the building up of the body of Christ, for the turning down of strongholds, for the partaking of the saints. My gift was given to me to better you, to protect you, to help you. I didn't come on this afternoon to judge you. I didn't come out and see the point finger that you. Jesus said he came not to judge. He came not to deal but to bring people to repentance. I come to help you out of your situation. That's what I'm on for this hour is to help you. I'm on this hour for you, not for me. I'm on this hour to allow God to use me to help your life be better, to help you be better, help your relationship be better, whatever you're going through. And when this, when this, when this, when this program is over this afternoon, that you will be feel better, that I'll be to accomplish something by the power of the Holy Ghost to make you a better person, to see you to look at things in a different way, in a different outlook, handle things in a different manner. So why I'm talking to you this evening? Yes, your husband ain't perfect. You did not murder per you God. Listen, if you wanted a perfect man, you should have asked God for a robot with a knob on his back so you could turn him on and turn him off. Your husband ain't no robot. You can't turn him on. You can't turn him off. Your attitude ain't helping none. You sleeping on one side of the bed, he's sleeping on the lid, he's sleeping on the couch. Because if he cheated on you, you don't, baby, baby, please listen to me. If he cheated on you, the couch ain't the place that you need him to be. He don't cheated on you, need that man laying inside you, baby, behind you. That way you need him, man, putting him on the couch ain't going to solve no problem. All you're going to do is run him in a Jezebel hand, baby. Jezebel right down the tooth. When Jezebel found out, baby, that you got your man sleeping on the couch, Jezebel, hey, Jezebel going to come, come looking for him. Because you got to understand, Jezebel got a job, too. They call Jezebel the cleanup woman. Her job is to clean up what you what you messed up. You throw it out the door, Jezebel going to pick it up and clean up. Because Jezebel ain't got that old foolish feeling that you got, that old that old, that old addy that you got when you so mad that he cheated on you and did you wrong and you just so mad you're going to punish him. You're going to make him sit on the couch. You're going to do this. You ain't going to cook his meal. You ain't going to wash his clothes. You're just going to punish him. No, you ain't. You ain't going to do nothing running right in the hand of the woman that he messed up with in the first place. So give the man, baby, and just keep on being the wife that you are. Get rid of that attitude. Get rid of that attitude and love that man like Christ told you. Wow, love your husband that Christ loved you. Love that man. Forgive that man. Give him another chance. I understand if you keep on doing it over and over again, I can understand you've been upset. But but he messed up, and you ain't forget what last year, years ago, five years ago. Every time something come up, you bring up what he did. Every time it looked like he fit to do something, standing near some woman, some woman all in his face, there you go with that attitude. Here you go. He got to fight you when he get home because some woman stood beside him five minutes longer than you thought she should have. Forgive him. Truly forgive him. You say, well, I have. Well, let's put a check. Let's really do a test this afternoon. Let's see how you forgave him. Let's do a random, random, random test this evening. Every time you see her, how you feel? If you feel like slapping in her face, if you feel like putting her in the head of her, if you feel like putting on a top ring and falling back doing a suplex with her, you ain't forgave her, baby. If you get all mad and get an attitude to go looking at him while you want to slap him, you have not forgave him, baby. Forgiveness can be a forgiveness can be a tricky thing. It can make you think you forgave when you really hadn't forgave. 
can't even holler, use him like he wants to because God, because he can't say nothing about no woman. He can't be near no woman. He can't no woman be near him. He got ministry. He got work to do, but he can't do it because you sitting there with that attitude. Get rid of it. God forgave you of 10,100 million sins. God forgave you when he saved you. He forgave you for so many sins. Nobody can't even count them. Now, why you can't forgive him for the sin he committed? You ain't the only one some man made a mistake. You ain't the only husband or wife that been your husband cheated on. You there were millions of wives out there. They went on. Well, they had the right attitude. Why you can't go on and have the right attitude? I'm trying to help somebody and stay and go with the men. Forgive that woman if she cheated on you. Forgive her. Especially up in the pulpit. I ain't seen so many marriages break up in the pulpit. You talking about you a deacon. You you talking about you evangelist. You talking about you an apostle. And you're gonna walk out of a relationship. Don't you know you setting an example? Don't you know God's gonna judge you for that? You holding an example. You just can't walk out the relationship. I know you don't feel good. It ain't about your feelings. You made a vow. You vowed to stay with her. He vowed to stay with you. Then you're gonna walk out the relationship and go marry somebody else like he doesn't mean that. You gotta stand before God for that marriage. And you've got to make sure you got out of it the right way and not cause of your feelings, not because you burnt the food, not because you made a mistake. We ought to forgive one another. And it's time that the church get to act together. It's time to get the Bible back in its place and people up in leadership positions, getting more divorces of people out that ain't anything. We thought we know the way. How in the world going to know the way if we didn't know the way, get out the way? we got to set an example. We've got to stay together. Let God fix that, baby. Won't you get out of that, man? I see something right now, about right now. A leadership position. <laughs> Apostle, preacher, evangelist, teachers, leader at the verge of, of, of divorce. God said not so. But God hates divorce. God said not so. Get out of your feelings. Sit down and talk this thing over with. Get Addie out the way. Don't take Addie to the meeting. But if you take Addie to the meeting, you ain't going to solve the problem. And when you go to the meeting, when you get together, when, when you when you when you, when you bring this thing up, don't don't be angry at one another. Don't judge one another. Don't accuse one another. You can never solve a problem if everybody says I'm innocent. Just act like you both are guilty. And sit down and lay this thing on the table. And pray and ask God to help y'all. To put this thing behind y'all. And go on and be the ministry. Go on and be the one that God called you to be. So God calling you to be great. God calling you out of darkness into the light. God calls you to be the example that he can use you. Get rid of this animosity. Get rid of this unforgiveness. That's what Melissa is about this afternoon since I bought it there. It's about unforgiveness. I done talked about that the other day, but God should be talking about it again. Unforgiveness. We just, we just somehow or another, we as leaders, we're Christian people, and we're holding on to unforgiveness when we've been told that if we don't forgive, God won't forgive. You cannot go to heaven with unforgiveness in you. I've come out and said, you say we say. Sanctify, Holy Ghost, feel five baptized. I don't care when you speak, the ground shake. If you've got unforgiveness in you, you're not going to be forgiven. And how you go to heaven if you ain't forgiven? you got to forgive. And I just bless the Lord of that. So I'm going to get into the lesson. I just pray that this has helped somebody. I'm trying to help marriages now. Not only only natural marriages, may not, you may not even be saved. You may not be in the church. This might help you as well. But I'm trying to help marriages, especially in the church. It bothers me to see leaders. A better than apostles and prophets and prophesied, talking about dust to the Lord. If God said dust to the Lord, why the dust to the Lord ain't said nothing to you? How you going to dust to the Lord and tell somebody else something and dust to the Lord ain't said nothing to you? You first got to dust to the Lord to you. You first got to be partake of what you're preaching. 
You first got to be parking because God don't like the void. God wants you to stay together. I don't know why. Let me hang on in here. God wants you to lay that mess down, put it under your feet, forgive one another, kiss one another, love one another, get back in the bed with one another, put that mess behind you, get that meanness out of your wife. Oh, I see that meanness. I see that meanness in the spirit. I see that. Your meanness and oh. My God, your meanness doesn't turn to scornfulness. But the Bible said it's better to be in the way of a bear that's mad of his cub. And you think about a she-bear that lost her cub. And that she-bear mad at him, you can walk with a cub in hand. Somebody bought your bear back. You think that she-bear can't think about you? That she-bear going to slap your head off you with her cub in her hand and she mad too. And the Bible said it's better to be in the path of a she-bear that lost her cub to be in a room with a scornful woman that is angry. She's so vendetta, setting a bed on fire, setting a car on fire, throw some grease on you, a grit or something that she's mad. And Scott says, I see scorn for this in some of you wives. you so mad, you're scornful. He better not touch you. He put his hand on you, but get your hands off of me. How mean can you be? Baby, get rid of that meanness. I'm helping somebody say, if I don't preach, I'm be get rid of that meanness. Let that meanness go. I'm in the Bible. I ain't just saying something this I do. I got strip behind me. Get rid of it. For the Bible says bitterness is not of God. That bill you got in you, you talk about I got a right to be this way. Because he cheated on me. He did me wrong. And then it was his his best friend, my best friend, or it was my cousin, or or it was one of the church members. And you think that's an excuse for you to be mean? You done done words. God told me to tell you, I feel the Holy Ghost. You done 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 words since he sinned it against you than what he done to you. God said your attitude, your goodness, your your behavior have have have, have been so so negative in God's presence than, than it was a mistake that the man made. He made a mistake, yes he did. But since then you've been raising sand. You've been burning fire. I could use some other words that wouldn't be proper. But you've been raising sand. You've been mean. You've been vendetted. Huh? You've been scornful. You ain't did your duty. You don't want the last time you did your duty. I ain't just talking about someone in the bedroom. You don't want the last time you've been a proper wife like you ought to be toward that man. You stand with him trying to make him miserable and think that that's good. Baby, you ain't God. You ain't judge. And you've been judging him. And that's why you ain't been blessed. Why things been standing still. But I come out and help somebody this evening. And I'm going to try to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. I've only been guided this lesson. But the Holy Ghost got me here. And I'm trying to be obedient, trying to help somebody. You need to let it go. You need to forgive that man and truly forgive him and let it go. You need to go to your bedroom and cry if you got to. You need to say, Lord, I'm wrong. I've been doing my husband wrong. I've been doing my wife wrong. I've been making them sleep on the couch. I've been, I've been sleeping on one side of bed, he on the other. I won't let him touch it. I ain't cooked his breakfast, Lord. Huh? Let me tell you something, another. And I'm telling you this. I know times are different. <clears throat> different now than they used to be. But my dad ran the street. My dad ran the street. My dad worked all week long. My dad worked all week long. And my dad would go out on Friday night. And may not, maybe he might wouldn't come home until Sunday morning. He may back come at home Saturday night. But my mama, well, I had eight brothers and two sisters. My mama did not go running after my dad. I never heard my mama feel such at my dad when my dad came back and knowing he was out there doing something. Whether he was running women, whether he was drinking liquor, what mischievousness my daddy was doing, I never heard my mama fuss at him. If he came back in on Monday morning, he came in in time to take a bath, and she would have his meal on the table, and she would ask him, have you eat yet? 
How can you ask a man that when he done stayed out all night? Now, my mama was a woman of God. She was a virtuous woman. She cared for her children. She cared for her house. She did not pay off her home. She realized she couldn't change my dad. Huh? But I knew that one day, years later, my dad drank liquor just like water. And my mama was a praying woman. And she raised them children and let daddy do what he wanted to do. If he hanged out all night, he hanged out all night. If he did wrong, he did wrong. Mama just loved him the way he was. You hear what I say? But one day, and my dad got older, and my daddy drank liquor, and my, and, and my mama wanted my dad to stop drinking the liquor. And he said he won't want to drink, stop. He's been drinking ever since he was seven years old, and now he is 40-something. And my dad was drinking liquor like water. He would take liquor to, to, to work in the morning for breakfast and dinner and supper. That's what he had all day long. huh? And he worked like a mighty man, as long as he could drink the liquor. But my mama prayed. And she prayed to Oral Robinson. She prayed to Billy, Billy Graham back then, some old days. She prayed to those, 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 those pastors of old. And she prayed to them that God would help my dad stop drinking. And my dad told my mama, you're wasting your time, baby, because I ain't going to stop drinking. I've been drinking since I was seven years old, and I'm going to be drinking when I die. But the next week, the next week, my daddy got up on a Monday morning, and my daddy started to drink that liquor, and the liquor came back up. My daddy told my mama, it's just a virus. Ain't no prayer make me stop drinking. It ain't nothing but a virus. So my daddy waited to Wednesday, and he drank again, and it came back up. Then he waited later on down in the week, and my daddy drank some more liquor, and it came back up. My daddy realized that God had did something, and my daddy quit drinking. So God took the appetite away, took the desire away. God wouldn't let the liquor stay down on the inside of it. My daddy became a new man because my mama prayed, and she believed. She didn't take matters in her own hands. She didn't cut them out. She didn't throw no grits on him. She didn't throw no hot grease on him. She didn't try to fix it herself, but she gave it to God. I've come out to tell somebody, tell some wife this afternoon, baby, I'm trying to help you. I know I look like I'm staying on this, and I'm going to stay on it because that's what God told me to do, because I'm trying to help somebody. I'm trying to help your marriage. I'm trying to help your home. I'm trying to help your children. When you break up marriage, when you tear up a house, baby, you don't only just hurt you. You just don't only hurt him. You hurt the children. You hurt the brothers and sisters. You hurt family members, folks that love you, folks that believe in you. When you do this, you hurt them. You, you bring separation. You bring division. You help hurt more than just yourself. So stay there. Ask God to fix it, baby. Stay in this marriage. Let your marriage be the one. You, you look back down to your ancestors. You find out that your mom, your aunt, your uncle, everybody in the family had a divorce. Nobody stayed with their husband. Nobody stayed with their wife. Well, let you be an example. You'll be the example of the one that's going to bring a change in your generation. Let your generation be the one that'll stay with your man. He ain't perfect. She ain't perfect. Ain't none of us perfect. That's why we forgive. We forgive and we give it to God so he can take away the hurt. Yes, a hurt may be the baby, but God will take the hurt away. God will take that hurt away. He cheated on you. He did you wrong. He had fidelity. Yes, that hurt. I'm not telling you that you shouldn't hurt, but I'm telling you to give it to God. Let God take the hurt away <clears throat> so that you two can live together and, and, and happy matrimony. You can live together in peace. You can raise those children and sit at that table. And pray. Get back at the table. Husband and wife, get back at the table. Especially you that got the little children. Children eating in one room. Husband eating in one room. Wife eating in another room. 
bring that thing back to the table. Bring prayer back to the table. Make the children. You the boss. You, you don't get them to decide what they want to do. You the boss. Bring the prayer back to the table. Let everybody eat at the table. Bring family back together. Family that pray together, stay together. Bring the family back together. I hope I'm helping somebody. Bring this family back together. Let go of this animosity. Let go of this remorse. In the name of Jesus. Yes, yes. My lesson today is, as a close out, if God can forgive you and remove your doubt, your sin and doubt, then why can't you forgive others? If God can forgive you, your sin and your doubt, why can't you forgive others? Matthew 18, 23 through 35, Therefore the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his account up to date with servants who have borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors were brought in who owed him a million dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold alone with his wife, his children, everything he owns, to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few dollars, a few dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded his instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me, and I will pay it. He pleaded, but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgave and said, You evil servant, I forgave you. That tremendous debt because you plead with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I have mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my Heavenly Father would do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Let me read that last part again. That's what my Heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Second Corinthians 3 and 13 says, Be tolerant of one another and forgive each other. If anyone has a complaint against another, as the Lord has forgiven you, you also should forgive. Forgive. I'm going to highlight, stay right here. Might take it out on this verse. I don't know. But I want you to understand that this part of the scripture was written so Jesus was talking to his disciples. We were trying to get an understanding across of them. The parable was really basically a simple parable. And you know what I said. It talked about a king who called his servants to give an account of what they owed him because some of them had got deep in debt and paid up. And, and in those days, if you didn't pay a debt, a person could have you, not just a king, but a person could have you thrown in prison and, and arrested and thrown in prison. And you stay there until the debt is paid. Now, all depending on whether somebody loves you enough, cares about you enough, 
or you had some money laid aside that you can get somebody to go get and come pay the debt if you can get out of prison. But you stayed there until the debt was paid, whether it was a day, a week, a month, year, or ten years, or the rest of your life. Until that debt got paid, you stayed right there in prison. Sometimes they throw the whole family in there, the wives, the children, everybody. Uh, this is the incident where this man over a million dollars. So everybody in his family will get thrown into jail. How this man going to pay a million? A million dollars is a lot of money. How this man going to pay a million dollars? He in jail. He, he ain't got nobody to love him that much, no family member to love him that much to pay that million dollars. That means his life is over with. His family life is over with. His children's life is over with. But the king, he begged the king and said, please, sir, <clears throat> please have mercy on me. <clears throat> please forgive me for my sin. Please forgive me for what I owe you. I don't know how I'm going to pay you, sir. I don't, please don't throw me in a prison. Give me a chance to go work it out. I, just give me a I pay a little by little. But not only did the king forgive him, as the man felt so sorry, the king felt sorry for the man. Not only did he forgive the man, he told the man he was dead free. You ain't got to go work it out. You don't owe me nothing. Don't bite your business. This man, please help me. This man must have been lacking a little education. This man, to me, seemed like he needed to be sent to Dorothy or Dick. Uh, he, he would have a mental problem. For him to have the audacity after he had just been forgiven for all that million dollars, he went down the street and found a man that owed him $150, $200, just a few money, just a few dollars compared to a million dollars. This man only owed him a few dollars, just a few dollars. How many dollars that would? It won't even much. And the man did the same thing to him. Said, sir, please forgive me. Give me a chance to pay. I'll pay a little by little. Give me a chance to pay my debt, and I will pay you. The Bible tells you, grab the man by the neck. Now, the king didn't even grab him by the neck. The king could have grabbed him by the neck and choked him, but the king didn't. He grabbed the man by the neck, choked the man out in the public in front of everybody, choked the man down, about choked the man to death, told the man, you're going to pay me. Then told them to take the man, the creditors, told them to take them and throw him into prison. Had the man locked up in prison because the man could pay him that little bit that he owed. And when those men saw it that was there that day, they were there when the king forgave this man. They were there. They heard the king forgive him. They heard the man begging the king. So they followed him when he left. So now they're going to go back and tell the king, the king, look what this man did. You just forgave this man of a million dollars. He went down the street, king, found a man. You know him but 150 maybe $200. And king, he choked the man. He choked the man, King, and then he had the man thrown in the prison, the wives and children, everything. He did what he did to him. And, King, I'm just so disappointed that this man would do this out of you and forgave him for a million dollars. The King called the man back and had the man arrested, walked back in, went and sent the law after the man. The law went and got the man, brought the man back. The man didn't know that the King was going to say what he said, and he brought him out before the King. I guess he thought the King was going to give him something else. The King said to him, Sir, did I not just forgive you for a million dollars? Did I not just forgive you for all your debt? Did I not just give you another chance? How then could you be so wicked that you to go out there and find a man that only owed you a few dollars and you choked that man? You beat him up, I heard you choked him and throw the man in prison. You showed no mercy. I just showed you mercy. I showed you compassion. I mean, you owe me a million dollars. That's a lot of money. And I forgave you. That ought to make you leave here rejoicing. You ought to left me happy. 
you all went and told the man you could have that little bit of money you owe me because the king forgave me. But no, you went out there and became what evil. You went out there and, and did an evil, a evil thing. Now, I'm going to have you sold in the prison. I'm going to have your wife and children sold in the prison, and you shall stay there until you pay me. Now, look what happened. This man went out and did the wrong thing. He didn't have another loving compassion to forgive after he was forgiven. What God is trying to say? What God is trying to say? Let me tell you what God is trying to say. What God has forgave me and you is for, we like the million, we like the million dollars. God has forgave us for so much. Ain't nobody in the world done nothing to you as much as it is that God has forgave you that you need to forgive them. Maybe they wrong you a little bit, maybe so, but it ain't no comparison. So when God saved me, ain't no telling how many sins I committed for my youth. I got saved when I was 21. I don't know how many sins I committed until I was 21. A million, 10 million, 100 trillion. I don't know. I sin it every minute, every hour, every day. Add all that up. I just lived in sin. You know, I walked in sin. I talked in sin. Hung around tips of sin. However many sins I committed, I wouldn't even begin to try to count them. But when God shaked me, he didn't count my sins. He forgave me for all my sins right then. He washed me and put him on the blood. He put him behind him. He cast him to the sea of forgiveness. So he did you the same way. The same God saved me, and the same God that saved you. And he cast your sins in the sea of forgiveness. You too have millions, a billion, a trillion, a zillion. I ain't no telling how many sins you have committed before you got saved. And God forgave you for them right then, just like that. So why you ain't forgave that man that took your shovel and didn't bring it back? That person that you lend a few dollars to. You might say, well, Pastor, that was a few hundred I gave him. You might even say, well, Pastor, that was a few thousand I gave him. I know. But forgive them. Let it go. Don't even worry about it no more. Quit calling them up. Quit calling them names. Quit calling them a liar. Quit telling everybody that you gave them that, that $2,000 they didn't pay you back. Don't tell nobody else. So God is displeasing you. What you mean, Apostle? Why would God be displeasing me? And that's my money. I got a right to ask for my money. I got a right to tell somebody he didn't pay me. The Bible says, forgive me of the debt. That God forgive you your debtor. See, God is going to forgive you if you don't forgive them. That's a debt they owe you. God to forgive them for that debt. So if you forgive them, how you not know how God's going to bless you? How you not know how God's going to open up another door beyond your wildest dreams? How you not know that God can give you back 10000 yeah, only 2000 God can give you back 10000 100000 God wants you to forgive. And when you forgive, you ain't lost nothing. You, they ain't paid you back no way. So why are you still talking about it? They had not paid you back. So you done wasting your time talking about something anyway. You done made a man now, but they done heard you talking about him. Now you ain't going to pay you back. So you need to give it to God. You need to forgive debt. The Bible says forgive your debt, and you forgive your, you forgive your debt. Ask God to forgive your debt, and you forgive your debt. If anybody owes you, took your shovel, took your wreck, took your money, whatever they got of yours, let them have it. They don't care to bring it back. God will take care of it. They's the most shovel at Walmart. They can, they's the most shovel. They's the most shovel at, at HQ. Uh, uh, they's the, uh, they's the most, most shovel at Harbor Freight. They, they's the most freight. Uh, at the tractor center. Oh, there's plenty more shepherds than for. It ain't worth your soul. We're going to lose out with God because of a shepherd and a hoe and a rake. 
or whatever you lent them, and they didn't pay you back. And God forgave you far much more than you could ever, that ever, that ever that someone could do to you. That's what, what that the parable is about. That it was God that represented Jesus when told the parable. They were letting us know that God forgave us far much more than we need to forgive somebody else. If God forgave you for all your sins, if God forgave you for all your shortcomings, if God forgave you for all your faults, then you too need to forgive one another. And then, to Colossians, the one verse, Colossians 3 and 13, tolerant with one another. We don't know how to put up with one another. We ain't perfect. We all mistakes. Somebody takes us a while to get to where we're going. Learn how to put up with people. Learn how to not have an attitude about folks. Learn how to tolerate someone. It don't mean you got to like them, but sometimes you got to tolerate them. You got to put up with them. You got to go along, not in what they're doing. Because they have buds and struggles and struggles in the Lord. We have to learn how to deal with one another. Learn deal with them with their cranky ways. Yeah, they're cranky. You might have to stay away from them sometime with their cranky ways. You know how they is. You know they got an attitude. You know you know it don't take much to stir up the feathers. So sometimes you got to stay away from people like that. Just tolerate with them. Amen. Let God fix it. Stay with it. They say we got to learn how to be tolerant of one another and forgive each other when we mess up. He said, if anyone have a complaint against another, and we do, we go tell everybody else about it. We don't go tell the person we got the complaint with. We go to everybody else and tell them about the complaint we have, and we just make make things uh, a mess up things. Now we don't call it animosity. We don't call it division. We don't call it separation. We don't call it bitterness and bitter ill wills towards one another because they don't heard that you talked about them. They don't heard that you hung their name on a signboard. They don't heard that you. They don't heard that you lent them some money and they didn't pay the money back. Now they might have was intending to pay it back, but now you don't put a wedge in the thing and they ain't gonna pay you back now. But you don't scandal out their name, name, and they don't heard this and they feel bad that you did this. This is not what we do as brothers and sisters in the Lord. The Bible said, the Bible said, forgive them and let them have it. God will pay you back. You hear me? God will pay you back the law. God will give it back to you. That way you ain't mess up nobody's reputation. We have plank one of he suggested we have plank one against another. Just that the Lord forgave. We ought to forgive. Somebody do you wrong, forgive them. Somebody talked about you and you heard about it, forgive them. Somebody hung your name on the signboard, forgive them. Somebody talked about your family member, forgive them. Somebody talked about your sermon that offended you, forgive them. With time that we Get back to forgiveness, as the Bible says. And I will pass. I done forgave them three times. Ah, maybe you ain't read the Bible. The Bible says seven times seventy in one day. Add that up and see how many times you forget. Ain't nobody gonna sin against you seven times seventy in one day. So for that reason is you got to keep on forgiving. That's what that means. All that means is to have a forgiveness spirit, have a forgiveness heart. Keep on forgiving over and over. Every time they do you wrong, which I tell you, nobody gonna do you wrong that much. But every time they do you wrong, be ready, ready, already to forgive. Have a compassionate heart. Let it go, so that God can bless you, so God can take you to another level. And this is terrible. It's very simple. It's very simple. And for that reason, it shouldn't be hard for us to fall in line. Uh huh. Look at look 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 at Esau. 
how mad he was with Jacob. Jacob took his birthright. Yes, he did. Jacob took he, Jacob took Esau's birthright. Esau was supposed to be next in line. When Jacob died, Esau was supposed to take it. The birthright had power behind it. The birthright had authority behind it. The anointing was on the birthright. And whoever got that birthright was the one who, who got that relationship with God. The anointing was on it. It was supposed to go to Esau, but Esau sold it out to the pastor out of the field one day while he was out there hungry, and he, he hadn't had nothing to eat for days. He was so hungry that he was about to famine. He thought he was going to famine. He thought he was going to faint before he got back home. And he met around and got halfway home, and there was Jacob out there. Jacob knew he hadn't ate nothing. Jacob is a trickster. Jacob already knew that Esau hadn't ate nothing, so he went out there and set a trap. And he cooked some potties. Oh, he cooked some potties, me. He cooked some potties. And it was hot boiling, too. Oh, my beef was turning into potties. Yes, Apostle Lockme said that we need to forgive one another. Stop playing games. Stop tricking one another. Stop worrying about these birthrights <laughs> and worrying about serving and praising God and walking in love. Truly, I would encourage you to listen to the speakers Monday through Fridays, from seven o'clock, from seven o'clock to eight o'clock p.m. Again on Sunday mornings from eight thirty a.m. to ten o'clock. We hope that you were blessed with our broadcast today. We encourage you again to pray for the nations all over the world to walk in peace and to forgive one another. Treat others the way you want to be treated and speak to those the way you want to be spoken to. No one is perfect, so each day we have a chance. We have a chance to repent. God bless you again. Stay tuned to us tomorrow at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time here in the United States. And as we go out, remember to exhort, edify, and encourage one another And if God can't do it, it can't be done. So let us pray for the nation of Israel. Amen. And all over the world, amen. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.